Get ready for an all-new season of 430 Movie debuting this October with some exciting new theme weeks curated by your favorite 430 Movie hosts. Yes, the 430 Movie is back, and we hope you will be too. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, co-host of Inglorious Trexperts. If you're a Star Trek fan who thinks you know everything about the history of Star Trek, check out my best-selling two-volume oral history of Star Trek from St. Martin's Press, The 50-Year Mission, available wherever books, digital, and audiobooks are sold. Uh, hi, this is uh, not really George Lucas, but uh, I just want to encourage you to, if you're listening to podcasts, uh, why not listen to The Rebel and the Rogue? Uh, you might as well. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, and if you're a Star Trek fan, you should check out my new science fiction TV show, Pandora, airing every Tuesday on The CW or anytime on The CW app. Check it out. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. And this is Darren Doctorman, and we are the Inglorious Trexperts. Welcome back. Last week, uh, I'm amazed. <laughs> Previously on Inglorious Trexperts. <laughs> I'm amazed you're uh, in the Hall of Justice. I'm amazed that you're uh, tuning in again after, you know, Darren brutally took down City Ditch forever. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Last week, we did uh, Academy of the Overrated, and I thought it was actually a fascinating discussion about, uh, uh, you know, uh, Star Trek episodes that are perceived as being, I don't know, better than they are or, or, or just beloved more than they warrant. <laughs> I don't, I don't yeah. know the problem where you're saying. So we decided in order to tip the scales back towards justice, um, <laughs> we would do Academy of the Underrated, where we sort of shine a light on some episodes that uh, maybe don't get the love they deserve, you know, because we all know, you know, you hear it's always best of both worlds, trouble with tribbles. You know, yesterday's Enterprise. We're not saying these aren't great episodes. They are. But um, it's like, you know, it's time for some some other episodes to, you know, get some get some love. Let's give them some love. And that's what today's episode is all about. It's about uh, showing some love for some underrated uh, Star Trek episodes. So uh, once again, uh, we are joined by uh, from the Burnett work, uh, Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Welcome back, Rob. Great to be back. Great and to be back. On you temporary can, loan from the Burnett work. You can follow his um, his uh, insights and uh, observations about uh, pop culture Those on his observations. YouTube channel on Rob Observations <laughs> from the Burnett work. And then uh, we have uh, writer-producer Ashley Edward Miller is back. Ashley, uh, welcome back to the show. Thank you. I am so excited, and I cannot adequately conceal it. That is fantastic. You're so exciting. You just can't hide it. Um, so... Welcome. So today, <laughs> Welcome. did I say that already? Yes. I did. I'm freaking Welcome tired. Again. I'm so jet lagged. You have no, I don't know why I scheduled this for today, other than we had run out of episodes. So, um, but I'm, I'm just happy to see you all. That's that's what it comes down to. I'm just happy to see you all. And if I suddenly I, I, I grow quiet, it means I'm falling asleep. And it's really good to be doing these again in the wonderful uh, Electric Surge studio. Well, absolutely. I missed uh, Bill Ritter's smiling face. And there he is, our, our engineer, our, our sound mixer, our, 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 our inspiration. Yes. Uh, and uh, Bill has been you know, such a supporter. I think when we started doing these podcasts, he's like, what is this nonsense that I'm doing <laughs> he's here? He's nodding He's I do strongly. movies and TV, <laughs> and what am I doing with it? I don't even know what a podcast is. And over the year, over the, year the last year, I think we won him over. I mean, he's watching Star Trek. He's watching these shows. He's weighing in. He's it's, wearing our shirts. He's wearing our shirts, and uh, it's, uh, it's 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 really we couldn't do it without the support of people like uh, Bill and, and Natalie and everyone here, and Dean Devlin, who's been such a champion. And soon, um, uh, we'll be announcing uh, uh, the the video uh, podcast will be available. So, um, you know, if you've seen Clash of the Titans and stare at the Medusa too long. <laughs> You know what happens, but you'll get a chance to actually see what it's like to be inside the Electric Surge Studios where we record the uh, podcast uh, live. And And wait till you see what we're wearing. Or not wearing, in the case of (laughs) Ashley E. Miller. (laughs) Okay. Every episode is naked time for Ashley E. Miller. It really is. It's a choice. Nice place you have here, Mr. Altman. You're going to have strategically placed Did I mention I'm jet lagged? Okay. So. 
<laughs> there goes half our audience. Okay, so. But we're going to get a whole different half coming in. That's the oh, right. Oh. Uh, there you go. Um, and uh, so, so today we're going to talk about underrated Star Trek episodes. And, I, you know, I'm not going to waste any time. You know, uh, I want to go straight to Robert Meyer Burnett and... Uh, I have a feeling I might know what he's going to do, but he might surprise me. No, so. no, I'm not going to surprise you. You know exactly what I'm going to say. <laughs> oh, we could because, you know, I, I didn't pick it because I knew you would. I'm going to say th this is one of my favorite episodes of Star Trek ever. It's from the original series, and it never gets enough love. I'm not going to say the alternative factor. No, I know because that was a guilty pleasure. We, that, that was, was our second pleasure. episode. We did guilty pleasure. I've, I've, I've talked about the virtues of this episode my entire life, and I, you know what? I'm going to do it again. All right. Because you're a big fan of one-celled organisms. That is, you got it. That's exactly right. Ladies and gentlemen, second season's The Immunity Syndrome. Captain's log, stardate 4308.8. The intrepid, it just died. And the 400 Vulcans aboard, all dead. The stars... According to the life monitors, we're dying. We're all dying. I cannot say what it is, Captain, but I would say it has found us. Grant me my own kind of dignity. How can I grant you what I don't understand? Contact in six seconds. Come in. Come in. Contact lost, sir. Power levels are dead, sir. You may have just written our epitaph, Mr. Stanley. Is is one of my fa of the original series, second mm -hmm. season, is one of my favorite episodes of Star Trek, even as a little kid, because first of all, it it one of the things about the episode is it's so dire. Mm -hmm. It's one of those it's one of those Star Trek episodes where literally the fate of the universe hangs in the balance. Uh, it has an interesting science fiction concept, the idea of a single-celled 11,000-mile-long organism that is literally draining the life force from everything around it. It has destroyed solar systems, it has destroyed a starship full of Vulcans, and it is truly one of the most visually arresting things I ever saw when I was a kid. Mm. It made me fall in love with science fiction. And the relationship, your behavior is arrested, Mister Krakow. The 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 relationship between Spock and McCoy is tested, and uh, the relationship of everybody is tested, and and Kirk is put in a into an impossible situation where he must decide which one of his best friends is he going to sacrifice. Uh, the episode to me is one of the most wonderful episodes of Star Trek. Its only drawback is it doesn't have an original score. Yes, mm -hmm. yes, that is the only thing about the episode they they recycle music very familiar music well We've you know it's so funny you say that because my one criticism of the immunity syndrome is that it's very redolent of the doomsday machine mm -hmm. and unfortunately the score is, is a lot mostly of, from mostly doomsday from the doomsday machine and yeah. and that is the only thing i mean to me a lot of people talk about star trek the motion picture and to me, the immunity syndrome was a uh, the reason I must love Star Trek: The Motion Picture mm. as much as I do. It's because this idea of this cloud and you're penetrating this cloud, and people always talk you about. You just well, love that you're penetrating something. <laughs> That's why Rob loves no. that episode. No, but but I mean, truly, the 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 everyone always says, oh, you know, Star Trek: The Motion Picture is like the Changeling. I'm like, okay. But really, to me, Star Trek The Motion Picture is the immunity syndrome, yeah, and it true. touches yeah, on one right. of my favorite episodes, yeah. and the relationship between McCoy and Spock and Kirk is very similar. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I think Star Trek The Motion Picture is is the closest to a Star Trek episode that any of the movies ever got to. Mm -hmm. And people are like, how do you... Th I'm like, because you need to watch The Immunity Syndrome. I love the character interplay. I love the visual effects. I love the, the, the science fiction premise. I love the reveal of the creature, mm -hmm. which is one of the most amazing reveals in Star Trek history. There's nothing about that episode I don't like except... The use of the library music, yeah, where yeah. every time you're watching, you, all you're thinking about is the Where's Doomsday Machine. Where's library? Well, because the music is so indelible <laughs> that, and it was only, it's not something, I think it was only ever used for that episode again. It mm. was used for Doomsday Machine and then Immunity Syndrome. And it's it's I, it's also the one of the great examples, like Doomsday Machine, of how to do a bottle show. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and I you think know, it's a perfect episode. To start I, look, I I don't disagree with you. I I, I I like that episode. I don't love it the way you do, <laughs> and few people who would or could. But um, I do think that it has some of the best McCoy, Kirk, Spock byplay. I mean, when Spock says, "You should have wished me luck, Doctor." Oh my God! Right. I mean, that's so great. When I was a kid, I would be like. Oh man, yeah. I felt terrible whenever he said yeah, that. Man. Yeah, yeah, I know. What I felt terrible for Spock and, and for McCoy. McCoy. Yeah. They're both fighting to go on that mission, right. and it's uh, it's real. It has a shuttlecraft in it. Let's face it, any episode that has a shuttlecraft in it <laughs> is cool because the shuttlecraft was Except awesome. The Galileo Seven. No, the Galileo Seven's great. <laughs> the Galileo Seven proves the rule. I love the Galileo Seven. You see, Leonard didn't like it because he said any situation where where Spock is the captain isn't a cool episode. But you know, it has the life size oh, like Galileo. It has the lost in space <laughs> aliens. It has. Uh, you know, I love that. I love that episode. I like. I like. And has an amoeba. Wait, well, just, quasar. Wait a minute, the Murasaki effect. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Talk, talking yeah, about immunity say, syndrome. Sorry. I want one more point to make about immunity syndrome. Immunity syndrome was a Star Trek episode, like many became, where I actually pulled out a dictionary mm-hmm. because as a little kid, I didn't know what syndrome meant. Oh. I didn't understand, and so that was like Star Trek I, taught you vocabulary. Well, that's when I didn't understand a word. Like Adonis, right? I would a say, "Who Adonis. mourns for Adonis?" And then I'm like, "That's not that's how it's not spelled, spelled. Yeah. Adonis." And and like I had to go look up Adonis. What is that? It's yeah. not a word. I mean, it's a it's a proper it's, name. It's a, yeah. Yes, it's a name. But I I that's another way Star Trek taught me things. Absolutely, huh. interesting. Well, I really dig that episode. And I'll tell you what I always liked about it. I when I was a, a kid, the the things that I particularly enjoyed were encountering other starships or mm-hmm. other elements of Starfleet right. and seeing those ships especially there was always something that was very cool about seeing one that was all screwed up uh, and certainly the immunity syndrome gives us that um, I love the idea that but we don't see it I, well, no, I know, like but, millions but, but of we voices suddenly the, cried out and we're suddenly and, right. you know what I mean like yeah. that we're and that there's we're, a ship full of Vulcans exactly. which we didn't know that's exactly right yeah. a that's ship what full got of me Vulcans thinking. I thought, a beaker full of well death. that's interesting Boy. right it made me <laughs> think about the larger world on, on Fridays yes right it's like it was it's just one of those those story points that makes me realize it's more than just having just our ship out there and doing things that that they're actually living inside of a place that exists for them beyond just the story mm. which I always found very awesome and it's also the only episode that Star Wars actually as you pointed out directly ripped really? off yes oh sure totally it absolutely oh yeah when off. Spock feels uh, the, the intrepid being destroyed right. it's the exact same oh, yeah. thing as Obi-Wan Kenobi yeah. um, feeling the, the destruction of Alderaan it's the right. exact same scene it's almost he almost says the same thing yeah <laughs> totally which once again proves Star Trek is better than Star. No, but uh, no, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it, look, there's so much to like in that episode. I think I think it's a good, bit. and it is really the height of optical visual effects at the time. Yep. I mean, mm-hmm. it, Frank Vanderveer, who did the Amoeba, um, Jessica Van Puttermaker. Um, <laughs> it, it is so it's so beautiful the effects in that. Yeah. Um, uh, it's just amazing. I mean, state of the art, 1968. It's certainly and nothing like it. It's had ever been seen on television. This before. is before 2001 comes yeah. out, and yeah. it's incredible. Incredible. Yeah. So I mean, a really good choice, Rob, um, for for an underrated Star Trek. But it's episode. not like you didn't see it coming. No, we we knew. We and knew. it's got it's got one of the sort of cool uh, Kirk thinking lines ever. Uh, him wondering if they were themselves antibodies in the galaxy intend, intended to protect it from yeah uh, you know no nah, it, it, it has a lot going on like I personally prefer like Doomsday Machine mm-hmm. and Star Trek the Motion Picture but um, but I get it I get it I wouldn't begrudge the choice I think it's a great Absolutely. choice um, uh, it's funny though because I was a little disappointed Rob picked it I was kind of hoping he would pick the survivors because now I'm gonna end up having to pick that <laughs> but uh, that was my second one yeah I kind of I kind of I didn't even decide till they till they started recording this episode yeah yeah because we love the survivors and you know I, I don't know if I'm gonna pick the survivors you mean because... the animated episode the survivors? no 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 <laughs> I'm talking about the survivors on next generation next time on Star Trek the next generation The crew discovers the sole survivors of an alien massacre. The attacking force prepared you for some reason. They're guarding a dark secret. A mystery that's destroying Troy's brain. A threat that's attacking the Enterprise. Commence rapid fire with all weapons on full. On Star Trek, the next generation.
Oh, yeah. We talked about this at length on our 51 Greatest Star Trek episodes. Uh, it, it is an episode that Rob and I come to time and time again uh, to extol an underrated Star Trek The Next Generation episode in which... Um, uh, we find these two people stranded on a planet that has been obliterated uh, and uh, apparently by the Husnock, the unfortunately named alien right. adversary. Um, and uh, just a brilliant performance by uh, John Anderson. That, but, uh, that I, episode, actually, I, uh, I made required viewing for my writing staff at the on my show. Uh, we were trying to figure out. A, really? A, yeah, for sure. Like and I actually, had we, had, we had Star Trek Day. I made them watch uh, The Survivors and Yesterday's Enterprise. Can I ask you, because I know you can't really talk about the show you're working on, but I want to ask you specifically with your writing staff. I assume they're younger, younger. Yes. So did, were they familiar with Star Trek at all? Oh, they knew what it was. It had been <laughs> told around the fire to they them. Knew but it, they knew it was that they thing knew with Chris it, Pine. Right, but I don't. Uh, you know, See, one that's of had, what we should yeah, have had yeah, yeah. for overrated Star Trek 2009. That's what we should have talked about. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Maybe we should talk about the movie some other I mean, time. My, my yeah. staff is, okay. I've got Steve, who obviously knows Star Trek. Steve and then, Melching, for those of you right. at home who don't know him. Oh, that's right. Steve, he's a good guy. He's on 430 Movie, which uh, you should Coming also Coming back in October, to. yeah. Um, but I've got two younger writers who are not as steeped in the world of Star Trek as we are, one of whom has never really watched Star Trek at all, except by accident. And so... Sitting down and watching yesterday's Enterprise and watching the Survivors, I think, um, was kind of eye-opening. Like they didn't really realize what, how good those episodes what, were. What did you show? What were the episodes you showed to your writing staff? Just I just told you, but it's okay. <laughs> you uh, said the Survivors and yesterday's Enterprise, and that's it. Yeah, those were the ones because okay. there was a because the thing that I was trying to convey to them was just how you could take these big science fiction ideas and make them emotional. But see, here's the thing. You're like, oh, Mark, why weren't you listening? He didn't say, I'm waiting for the original Star Trek episode. Right. Oh, no, he I'm didn't like, say he said, he said two episodes, which I'm like, okay, right, the okay. survivors, mm -hmm. and I probably get it. What else? what else? And then he stopped. Right. Which I find confounding. I mean, he's, I mean, look, he's young. Yeah. I mean, look, I, if I had all the time in the world, I would give them a whole list of here are the things that you should watch, children, and come back and talk to me. But um, I just found the survivors so affecting. Um, and it was affecting in the service of this really big science fiction idea uh, that it was just, I thought, a great example of, of how to do that, how to take something very heady and make it feel very visceral and emotional. Huh. Yeah, see, I, I, so that's a big uh, thumbs up for the survivors. Well, and another, uh, I mean, another thing about that at the end, one of my favorite moments in all of Next Generation is Picard, is Patrick Stewart's performance when he's trying to wrap his head around exactly what the Dowd has done, mm. what we're Mr. not, Oxbridge we can't judge you. Yeah. Has run, and he's like, we we have nothing. The scope of your crime is beyond our justice. I can't even. It's on a galactic, yeah. a universal scale, and and it, it, the, the, it, he committed genocide. Yeah. I mean, this creature actually wiped out an entire civilization of sentient beings out of anger. And is there ever is there a bigger criminal in the entire Star Trek universe? Probably not. Probably not. And yet. He There's wiped out all the Hoosnock everywhere. Forget Khan. Kevin Uxbridge. Kevin That's Uxbridge. Kevin Uxbridge. And, <laughs> and, and, Uxbridge! You managed to kill absolutely everyone in the universe, but... And his, his performance, I mean, my God, Star Trek, uh, uh, the next generation did not have... The way Star Trek, the original series, had amazing guest stars. Star Trek, the next generation, did not always no. pick no. the best They did not, guest but he stars. was great. He was one of the most wonderful. I mean, uh, and Anne an Haney was good, who played uh, his wife. His wife was great, and and they seem so natural. But that moment at the end, when he reveals what what he's done, that mm -hmm. gets me every time. Super it powerful, gives me shivers, and that's a fine choice. So let me tell you what my choice is. <laughs> <laughs> Another next year. No, I'm not. I'm gonna I'm gonna go to Darren. It's Darren's turn. So oh. we'll, let's go to Darren. That's a fine choice. See, though. you uh, confuse me. Um. I think I am going to uh, uh, pick the uh, Return of the Archons. Captain's log, stardate 3192.1. Trying to find some trace of the starship Archon that disappeared 100 years ago, a search party has been sent to the planet below. Those power readings you took, are they powerful enough to destroy a starship? There's another one. We gotta get out of here. You know what they're capable of. Only you. Ah, come on! 
I am Landru. For the good of the body, you must die. Oh, see, from, we're talking about that off the series. air before we started. I don't know how it came up. Well, we're, we're talking about the Will Landru. Yeah, but uh, as as an episode that is often overlooked. Yeah. Not by Ben Stiller. He no, called his company Red his Hour Productions Red after, Hour, uh, Red after, Hour. after the after the festival. You come for the festival, eh? Yeah. Um, <laughs> that guy's the best. It's it it has pretty much a ton of the original series tropes yes. that we are used to. Yes. But it's kind of like the first time that a lot of those happened, mm. where we come across a a society that is seemingly normal, normal mm-hmm. but there's there's dark secrets yeah and there's other things going on and, and the possession of our principal characters uh, absolutely yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. uh and and you know in finally dealing with a a god who is a computer yeah mm-hmm. yeah the first of many yeah, yeah. and it's uh, it handled handles these for the first time in a very sort of deft way, and it's it's very sneaky, mm-hmm. but it's also there. There are a lot of sort of very old school uh, uh, actors in it, and and it's it's sort of out of its time. It's it's a very odd episode. Yeah, in and that it, way. it's all set on the back lot, but you don't really bump on it. Yeah, you know the the whole you know the fact that it's like this twentieth century like apartment right. brownstone thing but you never it never bothered you it's right. like now you'd have to build all that and cgi and have to be super futuristic <laughs> but then it was like okay what do we have on the back lot exactly. okay we got these buildings okay so We're this is our and yeah. um and yeah i mean it's interesting because i'm trying to like poke holes in, in it but i'm like no you know that's actually quite a good episode there's yeah. also a lot of really there's some really dark undercurrents to that episode, mm-hmm. I mean, it's basically the purge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, before you know, the, yes, for for twelve <laughs> hours, all crime is mm-hmm. you can do, and, and they probably don't. They don't really get into the fact that murder probably mm-hmm. happens because I'm sure. sure it does. And and but everybody's they, clothes are ripped when they come back. Yeah, and yeah. it's it's a really. I mean, they push that as far as they could go. There's that one in 1966 where one yeah. woman goes. You know, she throws her hands back and screams. That's as close as they could get to right. what they were insinuating. Yes, right. and it it Friday night at Gene Roddenberry's. <laughs> the fact that the fact that we would they, always have those parties on Thursday night because <laughs> Friday was always recovery time. <laughs> but no, it, it it's got a really dark, and even what the computer what the computer knows about humanity, yeah, is really disturbing. No, because. For right. for as screwed up as it is, it works. Right. And it That's, has for a long time. Yep. yep. So, you know, I mean, this is one of those sort of uh, cowboy diplomacy episodes that the Enterprise sort of interferes with a society that is actually functional? working <laughs> and, and functional. Yeah. yeah, you break um, it, you buy it. I mean, know. people come course, from all around to participate yeah. in the festival. Come yeah. from the valley, eh? Yeah. <laughs> well, is this the first instance of Kirk talking a computer yes. into destroying itself? Yes. I think so. I think yeah. That was like one of his moves. But it was like a Gene Kuhn thing. And then I remember there's a great memo from DC Fontana where she's complaining to Gene and Gene saying, you know, we've done this a lot now. Right. <laughs> Can we come up with another plot? <laughs> because after a while, I think after the changeling, it's kind of like, okay, you know, right. how many times are we going to talk a computer to death? And we need to... But, you know, Chatner, he can do anything. Well, so... But in a way, I, I mean... I'll draw I'll draw a line here between the return of the archons and the Borg mm-hmm. because if you this civilization technology somehow in the past or whoever created Landru to bring order to chaos. Right. And and it had a very dark uh result being the festival even though they don't get into how dark it is. Yeah. Whereas I see the Borg somebody was using technology probably to help civilization, to help humanity, transhumanism or whatever you want to call it. Sure. And and the the unintended result was that we were then enslaved and our free will was sort of removed from us and the monstrous nature of of what the Borg collective what ended up happening was was terrifying and stripping mm. people whereas the idea of Landru 
the the darkest nature of humanity in order to manage that rather than through laws and through say the bill of rights we're going to we're going to allow the dark nature of humanity to bubble forth once a month or whenever they were going to do it but you have, and now we do it constantly on social media the question is that a better way of dealing with the dark side of humanity than the regular way, where it is more incipient and more uh, mm. uh, quiet and more repressed and yeah, letting yeah. it out? Come I out don't know, Darren. Then... I'll go. So I, I bring on the festival, buddy. <laughs> I, I hear what you're saying, and I, I'm I'm going to drink that Kool Aid of yours. I, I'm I'm just raising it as a question because it's you know the the prime directive, which I think wasn't really resolved at that point. Right. Sure. Um, says that um, probably the reason why it exists now well that that we're not to interfere with a a normal progression of a society right functioning society functioning yeah. society and and growing society and i think that the argument here is that it's the society growing. is not it's growing not at all yeah. um but as far as sustaining itself mm-hmm. it does and it works fine for what that society is mm. So I don't know. Well, that's an undercurrent of the whole first season of the original series. This side of paradise, Elias yeah. Sandoval and his group of people, they've created a, a bucolic society right. that, that is, is beautiful and lovely, but it's had an external source of that, and it's not it's stagnant. It's right. not yeah. going anywhere. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you, you know, you put it in the time period that, of the 60s, you know, where people felt, you know, looked down on the uh, flower children and, sure. and, and the hippies that like, yeah, they were just living in the moment, but they weren't moving society forward. And it's that kind of attitude. Mm-hmm. You know, it's Brad Pitt once upon a yeah. time in Hollywood. Yeah. Damn hippies. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and, and it was definitely among the, the, the establishment, the sense that like, what were they really accomplishing? You know, that they, they weren't evolving. So, the, I mean. The lilies of the field. They toil not, neither do they spin. <laughs> Which is a great line that Star Trek used, too. Yeah. I mean, Spock says that at some point. Uh, about the, does he say in Tribbles, I think? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but ironically, not about the space hippies. That's right, not about the space hippies. <laughs> now, when we do worst episodes, clearly the way to Eden would have to oh. be on that. Uh, yeah, brother. Yeah, yay, brother. Yeah. Um, so okay. So so your what? pick was Return of the Archons again. Very interesting pick. I I would say that I do not think uh, we should have Star Trek the Motion Picture on this list because, no. um, although I think we would all agree that it is underrated. Um, but we've talked about it throughout the year, and we'll continue and we to talk continue about it. To so. And so I don't want to spend any time talking yeah, more we're talking about, about televised Star Trek. televised incarnations of of Star Trek. So Ashley. Um, what would your pick be for underrated Star Trek episode? Hail, hail, fire and snow. No. I'm kidding. Not, yeah. I'm yeah, kidding. I, for the I, love of God, man. <laughs> not even I am that big a fan. As of you Melvin believe, Belli. so shall you do. <laughs> no. So uh, shall you do. So my shall pick you do. is actually, I believe that this episode of Deep Space Nine wound up on our top 50 list, rightfully so. Mm. But there's our list and there's what everybody else thinks about. Um, my pick for most underrated episode is Deep Space Nine's Progress. Mm. First Officer Kira joins a rebellion. Right now she stands a pretty good chance of being out of uniform permanently. No! On the next Star Trek Deep Space Nine. First season episode. Wow. Uh, Deep cut. That's some bold words right there. Thank you. Um, I love that episode. The first um, cut is the deepest. The, uh, the premise of it is that Major Kira is sent to convince a man to evacuate his home because um, the uh, Bajoran government needs to uh, generate electricity. And so they need to evacuate uh, the, the moon that he's been living on and he won't go. Um, and the episode is, and he's played by Brian Keith, yeah. uh, who is amazing. And the episode is really about his relationship with Kira and making her see that um, the position that she's taking and the way that she is taking it, she is not unlike the Cardassian occupiers who came before her. Uh, And it forces some really interesting conflict with Sisko. And it has um, a resolution that I found just incredibly moving because Kira and this farmer uh, you know, they they really do connect. They have a, a real relationship between them. We can tell that she cares about him. She can we, we can tell that she's been affected by his arguments, but she still has a job to do. And we're reminded it's it's not made easy for us by saying, well, the job isn't actually important. So maybe Kira just needs to do the right thing and help this man stay in his house. It's actually the case is made that the job is actually important and that it must be done. And worse than that, 
if Kira won't do it, somebody else will come in behind her mm -hmm. and do it anyway. Right. So her solution to the problem is actually very James T. Kirk. Uh, she burns down his house. Mm -hmm. She makes it impossible for him to stay. She essentially forces him to evacuate to save his life. Right. Uh, and it's just, it's incredibly well constructed. Um, I can just watch that episode over and over. It's it's never going to be, you know, in anybody's, you know, list of here's my yeah, uh, top true. 10 that I'm thinking about as best Star Trek episodes yeah, ever. Right. But, but I love it. And I think it's totally worth a watch. Great wow. episode. That's really. a great, that's a great call. You, I'm going to go watch that today. Thank you. you. Know, it's funny because I think that what happens is... Uh, when you hear first season Deep Space Nine, everybody talks about duet, and understandably so. Mm -hmm. But Progress is a really sensational episode. That's a really great choice. Thank you. Yeah. Um, okay. So I, I, um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, what I, are your four choices for? Well, I mean, I kind of focus, but I, again, I'm a little like wary of repeating myself. Um, I really always point to one one zero 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 one zero one. You know, the binar episode. Next time on Star Trek: The Next Generation, the crew docks at a star base for repairs. I'm getting an indication of possible trouble in main engineering. But kidnappers trick the crew into an emergency evacuation. Abandon ship. Stealing the Enterprise and its captain. But this vessel must not fall into hostile hands. Set auto-destruct sequence. Now. It's a deadly countdown to disaster on Star Trek. The Next Generation. Yeah. One, one, zero, zero, one, zero, yeah, zero, whatever. One. And uh, yeah, right. that one. And I, I think it's, um, you know, the whole where min, Minuet is created on the holodeck right. to keep uh, Riker bu busy while the uh, Binars are stealing the Enterprise. And um, <laughs> I thought the Binars were sort yeah. of an interesting alien species. Yep. Yep. And Minuet was a really intriguing character. And I guess it also struck me at a time when Next Generation was really crap. And then suddenly there was this it was trying to find itself. interesting yeah. episode where like there was like cool effects and there was like the Starbase from Star Trek Three. That was the time where I actually <laughs> yeah. was excited about things from Star Trek Three showing up. And uh, I, you know, I just I, I you know it was a great Riker episode and uh, it was about character and had a cool alien species and it just came at a time where I like you know it, it indicated to me that. Wow, maybe there is potential. Uh, we we talked about Heart of, Heart of Glory being an episode like that mm -hmm. in the first season. That despite everybody dismissing how bad the first season is, there are these glimmers of hope early on with that episode and with Heart of Glory, where you're thinking, oh, well, maybe maybe they'll find their way. Right. Um, and then you know, of course, they did. Um, so that's an episode I like. I think Ensign Row. That's that's an episode mm -hmm. people don't talk about a lot. It's a great great episode. Great episode. Um, it also really expands the Bajoran Cardassian mythology yeah. leading into Deep Space Nine. But it Michelle also Forbes puts into contrast the, the the sadness that she didn't become a part of Deep Space Nine. Yeah, yeah. but Nana Visitor was great. Yeah. Like I don't <laughs> miss Michelle Forbes in Deep Space Nine. I do. Do you? Okay. Yeah, because I I thought Michelle Forbes is um, extremely good. Rob, she was your next-door neighbor for a while, She was. Michelle she? Forbes was my next-door neighbor, and I was the first person to tell her that she was coming back to Battlestar Galactica after she was dead. Oh, that, nice. that's but really I, funny. But I'm going to throw... I want to throw one out for you that nobody ever talks about, and the only reason that I watch this... Between talking to both Brian Fuller, who worked on the show, and John Ottman, who loves the show, yeah. they both gave me lists of Voyager episodes to watch. Yeah, okay. And John Ottman gave me a, a Voyager. I, I have to say, Mark, when we were during the sci-fi universe era, when Voyager began, we we developed a love-hate relationship with both Voyager and Brandon Braga at the time. No, no, we never had a problem with Brandon. It was always a problem with um, with Voyager. Well, we, we were had Voyager fun with fans. Yeah. We, we we made him out I to was, be a, a devil. Not that we yeah, love. We Brandon. talked to Brandon on the episode where we 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 you know how Amanda did that whole. Yeah, we love. Um, no, we love Brandon we Braga the devil. He was and Brandon like the, was very funny because he said, "Yeah, maybe I shouldn't have done that." No, <laughs> he was he was great, but we he he became our foil. He became yeah. part of. He was like on the de facto staff of Sci-Fi Universe without actually writing for he the magazine. He was a very, very good sport. He was awesome. But yeah. one of the, the episodes that I have become sort of obsessed with yeah. is the seventh season Voyager two-parter Workforce. 
There are only nine new episodes left before Star Trek Voyager's series finale. They were abducted, their memories erased. My employee number is 8586. Now, how will the crew return to Voyager when they don't know who they really are? They're not going to leave willingly. Ah, now, Workforce, I love this episode. And and basically, it's one of these episodes where the crew wakes up, the crew's on this planet, and they're, like, working. They're, like, salaried people, employees <laughs> right. of, this, of this. And, I, you know, I'd never seen this two-part episode. And I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> you know, and, and apparently, I don't want to ruin it, but... But there are people out there that basically commandeer your spaceship, take your crew, and and reprogram their brains and send them right. out to become the workforce on this planet to like become so work it's at Walmart. It. But it's kind of like that. I mean, it's and and it, I think it's a delightful two parter mm-hmm. that so is completely unsung, yeah. and you get Temp to see the, the characters playing people they're not. You know, and and it's I just find it to be a delightfully wonderful Star Trek two-parter. You know, there's a great Voyager episode that season. I think it's that season. I can't believe I'm saying the words "great Voyager" I having episode. that reaction. But um, the one in which, and I don't remember the name. Yeah, I think you picked it for your list. Where um, the Doctor, they think that the Voyager is like is evil. Living witness. Living witness. Imagine turning the starship Voyager. Target the first city. Enfire. Into the warship Voyager. When diplomacy fails, there's only one alternative. Violence. Now the imagining is over. The crew will turn into cold-blooded killers. Resistance is futile. And history will turn into anarchy. No, this is impossible. On the next Star Trek Voyager. And they, it's this Rashomon where they completely feel as though Voyager is evil and they're going to put the Doctor on trial and he survived. I mean, and it's a really... It takes place hundreds of years. Hundreds it's of years. one of my favorite Voyager episodes. It's a terrific episode. It's very clever. And I think that's a, certainly an underrated episode as yeah. well. Um, I really I really like that. And um, I know. mean, to me, Workforce is the gambit. The two-parter Gambit That's from the second season. Yeah, kinda... Ga- Gambit is a great underrated episode. I agree. I so think Gambit is so much fun. Th- yeah. That's the closest Next Generation ever got, other than Devil's Due, to doing the original series. Yeah. Like, Gambit felt like an original series episode to a point. You know, they brought back Robin Curtis yeah. as the intelligence officer. And, and yeah. Patrick seems to be having fun, yeah. and the Iridians are in it, and it's just it's just fun. So, so and you got Richard Lynch, right? Yeah. Isn't that episode? <laughs> it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I see Workforce is the equivalent. Gambit Part One and Two is and like people Workforce don't know who Richard Lynch. Richard Lynch was the bad guy in every seventies and eighties TV. You know, in A Team and all. He was one of the original in the, the original Battlestar Galactica. He's one of the Borellian Nomen. You know, he had this. <laughs> Deep gravelly voice, and I guess he his face had been Pop scarred as a fire, and, yeah. and as a so he's just he was a scary dude, and by all accounts a lovely man. Right and back when there were actual character actors yes, who got right. work. Yeah, 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 yeah. He he was great. I mean, he's totally you remember him. Him and the guy who always was the biker in the shows. He, there was always a biker episode of like the A Team and Charlie. <laughs> it was always the same guy. So Text Richard Cop. Lynch was always playing the same same role in all these all these shows. Um, yeah, that's. Uh, I'm gonna have to watch. I've never seen Workforce. So I'm gonna have to watch it. Don't remember it. I mean, I know I watched every episode of Voyager, and uh, you're saying that, and I'm like, are, are, is this well, a parallel universe? What happened? Where I had never seen this episode. I didn't even know it was a two part episode. Nobody told me about this episode, and I, you know, I was so. When I watched it, I'm like, this is delightful. Yeah, <laughs> you might not feel the same way, but but I there's. Know, I want to watch it. I, I you know, it's funny. Because after we did that list, I had never seen that Living Witness, and I went and watched it based on your recommendation listening to the show. I was listening to it live, but I listened to the show, and, and I thought it was good. I really liked it. I mean, that when you're seeing the, the Voyager, the, the alternate history where they're portrayed as the villains, you know, they're these horrible people, and you find out, oh, it's a museum. In the I also watched Timeless, which I thought was a good episode of Voyager, yeah. you know, which was interesting. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't without its... It's it's merits. It's just it was schizophrenic. I mean, Blink of an yeah. Eye is still one of my favorite Star Trek episodes. But Workforce, all the cast gets to do something interesting. It's 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 good. Yeah, it's good stuff. 
But it's one of those things where nobody ever talks about it. Even people who like Voyager, I'm like, have you? Well, I love workforce. People are like, what are you talking? They don't even know. That's us with the survivors. <laughs> it's like you know, you're like, remember Marina? Can he can't stop hearing the music box and she's going crazy? It's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> no, the music box. Remember? And it's playing the music. It's and she's going nuts. And 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 Kevin Oxbridge and the Hoosnock. It's like. <laughs> What show is this? Lost in Space? It's like, <laughs> it's like no, it was on Next Generation. Was that before Best of Both Worlds? After Best of Both Worlds? It's before Best of Both Worlds. It's got great map paintings in it. It got great map. Yeah, it got that. And that little house in Malibu that they filmed that. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing what a little location filming can do to open wow. up a show. Can we circle back to 1101001. Yeah, of course. Quickly? So you mentioned the use of the, the Star Trek Three uh, space dock. Mm-hmm. I have to say, like, that was, for the first season of Next Generation, one of my very favorite effect shots. Mm-hmm. Like, I could watch that again and again and again, yeah. watching the Enterprise-D head into it, because <laughs> for the first time on that show, I understood the scale of the Enterprise. Mm. But but it's not. I understand <laughs> That's that. That's the problem. <laughs> I understand that, but for the first time, there was, there was something that, to your, me, gave it context for understanding. Your premise is completely... Detached okay, before from you wait, before you get angry about <laughs> well, maybe that, maybe they built them bigger. Before you get angry about that, I want to tell you a story. My Mike Akuda told me okay. working yes. on 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 the Next Generation Blu-rays. We talked about this a lot, and and I would talk to to Mike Akuda about scale issues. And of course, when the Enterprise is backing out of space dock, it barely clears the doors, and the the, the Enterprise D is about eight times larger by volume than the original series or the refit Enterprise. So there's no way. That that that's that the entire space dock would have to be like eight times larger it's than like the Star Trek. Like the Pooh and the Blustery Day. Yeah. Canonista, Canonista. <laughs> so they use. Right. So I said. So so Mike Akuda told me a story that this bothered him as well, but it was Bob Justman and Mike Akuda suggested. Well, why don't we just have the Enterprise like docked, so you can reuse the shot, but docked outside? Mm. And Bob Justman said, then we would have to. We couldn't do that. You know, we'd have to change that original element. We can either have that space docked or not. You can either see it or not, and mm. and we'll have a scale issue. Right. And Mike Kuda reluctantly said, "Okay, I I think you're right." So we get all that production value in the show, even though the scale is wrong. I know, Darren, you're gonna Darren's apoplectic. Me too. Da- Darren's very upset about this. I hate it. I could care less. I just imagined bigger. Of course. I well, mean, everyone imagined bigger. <laughs> all you have to do, look. In my mind, I reconcile it. The door is just bigger. Yeah. Maybe it's they the door on the other doors. side for the it's bigger shot. It's 24th century doors. They made the bigger doors than but they had in the, the same 23rd shot. century. Yeah, but it's we don't same. know that. Yes, it's we bigger. Do. It's it's they made it larger. It's it's, it's Look, it's, I I'd rather I'd rather think that they built a space dock eight times bigger that looks exactly yeah. the same. They had to yeah. build a space dock that was bigger to fit yes. the ships. And that's stupid. Can I be happy? <laughs> of course you can be happy. This is why you can't have nice things. But That's right. this is how I'm happy, by okay. destroying your happiness. Oh, apparently. man, that is just, I mean, I, I just, that's, well, that's, you know that's dumbass on you. You know that's not Double okay. dumbass on you. Yeah, so, okay, so, 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 I don't know where we are on this whole binar thing, one, zero, whatever zero, it is called. One, yeah. By the way, the, one, if I could just, uh, that episode. There's no Requiem for Mythosler. The end of that episode is so great. Why didn't you ask us for help? Well, you could have said no. no. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, that, I love that because it was so simple and yet yeah. so true. If yeah, you're understanding yeah, yeah. a binary lifestyle, there's no baby yeah. in, in yeah. how right. we think. You're either yes. going to help us or not. We couldn't take the risk. Right. I love that. I still love that. I, That's I so know. Star Trekian. Mm-hmm. And it's the first time where Riker actually had a character where he wasn't just some stiff Captain Kirk wannabe, where he actually got to play something that was authentic and germane to him. And uh, Frakes Although had some Although he's totally fun. goofy in the episode. He is, but you know, they're still finding the character. He didn't have the beard yet. And, you know. and Patrick Stewart and him have that great scene with Minuet when he's Patrick Stewart's commenting yeah, on how yeah. realistic she is, yeah, yeah. and they're like broing down, having a, 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 a nightclub. <laughs> yeah, Carol Carmen right right was great. So what if it's in the holodeck? Yeah, Can I she... just say, isn't it amazing what a beard tends to do for Star Trek characters? Oh yes. Whether it's Riker or it's Cisco. You gotta I mean, stop. I guess there's a... You gotta stop because this is the subject of next week's episode. Oh, really? The beard. I guess you'd also have to discuss the LaForge corollary where the beard didn't really didn't do help. Anything. Right, didn't right. do anything for it him. It just looked wrong. Yeah, it did. Yeah. And is second season Riker actually from the Mirror Universe? Oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> next week on somebody else's podcast. Right, right. <laughs> the, the many lives of Riker, Tom Riker, well, like showing back up on Deep Space Nine. I, I, um, I think there are a lot of Deep Space Nine out, uh, episodes that could qualify for our underrated, um, and I'm just going to cite uh, two of them. 
Um, <laughs> I, I think that uh, because I think I, they don't get the love of, you know, what do the episodes get the love? Trials and Tribulations gets mm-hmm. the love. Duet gets the love. Um, incomprehensibly, uh, What We Left Behind gets the love, which right. I think is not very good. Um, uh, um, you know, there, there are a couple other episodes that get, you know, uh, Silent Legis, uh, 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 Romulan, or Romulan. Oh well, of course, and the, and, 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 and the Pale Moonlight is the one that deservedly gets yeah. the most love. But I think there are a couple of smaller episodes which are, you know, really, really well done. I mean, the Siege of AR three fifty eight, I mm-hmm. think, uh, is Great. is a really, you know, Saving Private Ryan done Deep Space Nine, and um, it's terrific. And of course, in that episode. Nog, Nog, who is like this kind of joke of a character uh, who suddenly gets this incredible arc, which pays off and it's only a paper moon. And, you know, that by all rights should be a ridiculous episode. Vic Fontaine sort of is this faux Tony Bennett slash Frank Sinatra character who's one of the best characters in the show. Right. And he, he has to deal with, you know, Nog, who's nursing his, um, you know, who now doesn't have a leg and feels useless. And um, he's, you look for solace and, 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 and escape in the holodeck. Uh, I mean, it's it's amazing. I mean, it's amazing what that show pulls off. I mean, uh, and you know, I mean, when I was writing my book and and talking to other people, a lot of veterans who've really um, took a lot of away from Deep Space Nine, who who really helped them deal with their own PTSD and their own you know uh, issues, really relate to that that episode. And I don't think it's an episode that necessarily gets a lot of love. And 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 that's one of my problems with the documentary. I think it's, it's, the documentary was a lot of jokey jokes thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the opening musical number, it never talked about really why Deep Space Nine is so good. It never did the deep dive into what's really remarkable about that show. It was more like, uh, we had a lot of fun and it right. was cool and I, people I, don't like it, but now it's cool. I don't and, think they were ever in a position because they didn't watch the show. Mm-hmm. You know, when you, one of the things is, you know, when you're covering. When you're covering the people that are actually creating a, a television series, their they're clueless about their own show. Yes. Yeah, they, mm-hmm. their their experience with people who watch the show it'll never be the same. Right. They'll never understand the relationship a viewer has, especially when it comes to Star Trek. I don't think mm-hmm. anybody who's ever worked on Star Trek understands its appeal. Nope, none of right. them. You can talk to the actors; yeah. they only have got talking points that they've gleaned from other things they've read that yes. other people wrote. Yes. Right. But they themselves will never understand because. That's just not their experience. They're and it they, shouldn't be. No, it shouldn't be. And then they just grabbed a bunch of cosplayers, you know, at the like the Vegas con and said, why do you love Deep Space Nine? It, it's very deep. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's got space in it. It's got space in it. And, it's <laughs> and nine different. of them. And, 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 and so I don't think it really, you know, no pun intended, did a deep dive into why Deep Space Nine is such a remarkable show. And instead it's this big son of kind of silly, frivolous documentary that that doesn't really do justice to the subject that it's covering. Are we kind of saying then that the ultimate underrated episode of Star Trek is Star Trek Deep Space Nine (laughs) as a whole? I mean, you certainly could make that case. Yeah, I I would agree. I would agree. Well, also, you know, whereas Voyager was sort of a copy of a copy, it was a Star Trek trope Mm -hmm. show, Deep Space Nine... Thoroughly original. Totally original, and and it, it took something we had seen space stations before, whether they were star bases or K seven or space dock or from Star Trek the Motion Picture. The idea of a or place one zero zero one yeah one zero zero one the the idea that these that that star bases were talked about from the very beginning of Star Trek, and uh, apparently they would also have vibrant life to them. Mm-hmm. And the idea that you would set a... People make fun of the idea, well, the adventure comes to us. Or I think Brandon Braga might right. have even said that. The adventure is going to come to us in this show or something. Or, or maybe Brandon said, how can we have a... How can, how can that... How could something happen? I don't know. And, and, and truly, you saw exactly how it could happen. You know, it's a frontier... It's a fort right. on the frontier. It's a Western. Yeah. That, it is a Western, and yet you're in the middle of this political, the, the, the idea of having the wormhole and how it became this, this transit point for the galaxy, and it became this impre- very important strategic position. All of that was very, very interesting, and it, it delved into, you talk about wagon train to the stars. This was the Alamo. Mm-hmm. Well, here's and, the thought experiment for you, right? So workforce. Again, I don't even know what I'm talking about because I don't remember it. <laughs> but you didn't show it to your staff. I, I didn't show it to my staff. They maybe they saw it. They didn't tell me. I didn't know. Um, can you imagine? Or 
I'm trying to imagine an episode, a two-parter in the seventh season of Deep Space Nine that would have been about the crew of Deep Space Nine being turned into temps at a company. And I think I would have been mad. I think I would have been a little bit mad <laughs> yeah. because what made Deep Space Nine work was all the characters were great. The casting was amazing um, just across the board. They always had things to do that were interesting that grew organically out of the situation that they were mm, in. Yeah. There was never a moment where I felt like we're reaching. Even when it was they're living somebody else's life, you get far beyond the stars for the love of God, yeah, right? Yeah. Which just which you there's no way to overrate. Yeah. Little Green Man is underrated. Yeah, Yeah, totally. Um, You know, and I think, you know, the thing that I feel very strongly about that show is that in in many ways, especially as it went on, it became the real successor to the things that I particularly liked about the original series. Um, An episode I think is super underrated is For the Uniform. Um, yeah, which is great. about Cisco great hunting episode. down Commander Eddington, yeah, who's Eddington, betrayed yeah, Starfleet, yeah, yeah, yeah. and his decision at the end, like I'm going to destroy all of the outposts simultaneously. I will, I will kill effing everybody, mm-hmm. you know. And and how that all resolves is just fascinating. But it's such a Kirk baller move. And I and, and what's the like core with Alzheimer's one, or where he feels where core feels like he's no oh, longer yeah, has yeah, a place yeah. in the empire mm-hmm. and so he's doing all this crazy stuff and he can't remember and he's, he's screwing everything up and you know his wharf went to bat for him and then ultimately he makes the ultimate sacrifice that's a great episode uh, I don't remember what it's called um, but it, it was I mean, okay so Deep well, Space Nine it's ironic though that it's about Alzheimer's <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> exactly um you know, it's it's funny. We keep talking about Deep Space Nine. We talked a little bit about Voyager. You mentioned Immunity Syndrome for the original. Is there an Enterprise episode? I was just going to throw one out. Yeah. Cogenitor. UPN next Wednesday, an alien race gives a whole new meaning to close encounters of the third kind. Maybe we could sleep together. They need three to mate. I'm pretty familiar with how it works with two sexes, but... Oh, well, I have pictures. A provocative all-new Enterprise. Cogenitor. UPN next Wednesday at 8, 7 Central. Yeah. Which I talked about. Yeah, Cogenitor's you know, really to good. To me, yeah, I, we talked about this on the best Star Trek episodes. Cogenitor is an episode where the Enterprise, the NX-01, comes across another spacefaring race. It's got a first contact story element to it. Mm-hmm. They come across another uh, very nice race, and they're both exploring. Nice. They're both exploring the same sun. You know the coronal activity. Let's do it and the together. Stuff. Yeah, they're, let's cooperate, yeah. and then they start sharing all their. And these people seem perfectly delightful, and. Uh-huh. Und- instead of harboring some dark secret that you uncover, you find out something about their society, that they are a three-gendered civilization, and they require, in order to reproduce, a third gender. And this I didn't g- say a third nipple, like uh, Scaramanga. No, I Scaramanga. <laughs> a third gender. And so this gender, this, th- are, this third gender is completely this put upon underclass. They're not allowed to read. They're not allowed to be educated. And... and of course, Trip most of all is horrified by this. this, this and he's sim- the only one, right? And he's the yeah. only one, and he can't believe that this 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 civilization that's is so great in every other way yeah. has this. They're completely blind to the fact that they treat this this third gender as as a non entity. Yeah, and he can't get it. And and as a Star Trek episode, it's one of the most compelling. It's totally Star Trek through and through. I love this episode so much. Nobody ever talks about it. No. And it's really good. And he interferes, he, Trip interferes and he can't which you know goes back to the idea of the prime directive. And yet I mean this is just their society. We are judging. We and, and we as viewers are forced into Trip's position. And yeah. I always am like this this is terrible. This is terrible. But but these other people they're so nice that it makes you as a viewer really conflicted, yeah. and you really are asking yourself when you're watching it, I would do the same thing. Trip so is the best doing. science fiction does. Absolutely, uh, it's great. And and you know I'm not a huge Enterprise fan, but I love that episode. I really like Broken Bow, the pilot. I yep. think is really good. Um, obviously in a mirror darkly, but that's the trouble uh, trials and tribulations of that show. Right. It's like. It's not really an episode of Enterprise, so it doesn't really count. Right. You got to evaluate it on its own, and it is great for what it is. But you know, it's like it's, it's not. Valid. It's not the. Sh- it's stolen valid. <laughs> it's like, well, if you like the original, yeah. we're going to give you as close to making original episodes as we can. And uh, and Mike Sussman did just a marvelous job with that. And then um, yeah, but I, I like the pilot. But there's not a ton of episodes of that show that I like. 
would go but back to and get excited about. You know, it. I think if Enterprise had 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 leaned more heavily into sci-fi concepts, mm. I think Cogenitor was a simple episode in terms of its conception. Very skillfully done. It, really really well done and it really the idea of a third gender is so simple especially now. Mm. You watch it now with all of our talk about pronouns and how we're going to deal in yeah, our own gender free bathrooms, yeah. gender free yeah, bathrooms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's the idea that oh, here's a society that has a third gender yeah. and that's the no, it's very clever. And you know what else is a great episode of that series? Uh, the Forge, the uh, mm-hmm. Garfield Reeves season. So show. good, yeah. and it ties in the yesteryear, and uh, that's a really good. Uh, that's a really good episode. The rest of it, it was a three episode or one of those two episode arcs, right. and the rest of it isn't very good. But that first episode is really excellent. But a lot of that fourth season, those three episode arcs, the two episode arcs, there was a couple of great stories, yeah. and I think it ended on a great. Well, the final episode wasn't good, but Demons and Terra Prime. Oh, with Peter Weller. Yeah, with. I well, mean, that's very relevant today. Absolutely. Because it's basically, Trump and his ilk, you know, who want to uh, have nothing, you know, xenophobia, fear of the other, you know, fear of the immigrant. It's awful. Or, or the intermixing of races, mm-hmm. you know, humans yeah. and Vulcans. How can you have yeah. a child? Misogynation, yeah. And I think that that's, that's... That's for the guy who said, I learned a lot of vocabulary words on Inglorious Trexperts. I'm trying to throw out as many words <laughs> as possible to help you with this whole vocabulary thing. You know, it's not like syndrome, but it's... Uh, it's. Uh, Why do you think I love The Incredibles so much? The villain's name was Syndrome. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, I wasn't the only one who loved that's that word. That's an episode that's overrated, Paradise Syndrome. Yeah. that That's not a great episode. It's great because the score is great, and it's great because oh. it has location filming. And, and it's it great has because Shatner else. gets to go way over the top. <laughs> way okay, you over just like Miramani, but uh, it, it, that's yes. not a good episode. No, but it does establish the preservers and the idea that well, uh, humanoids were seeded throughout the galaxy by a much more advanced alien race. Yes. But that that was only picked up by the novels. Well, it's sort of. I, I, yeah, I guess maybe I was I was projecting it onto the chase. No, it is absolutely the part chase of the chase. is underrated. Yeah, yeah I that's like true. the chase. I the Norman yeah. Lloyd is in it. You know, you got uh, uh, from Seconds, uh, uh, Salome Jens, who later mm-hmm. became the founder. Yeah, and that that's a fun episode. It's 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 very atypical next gen because it's just fun. But it's it also deep. has a big a big sci fi idea mm-hmm. at its core. We're yeah. we're all brothers. We're all connected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the preservers from yeah. the from the paradise. Right. See, it was picked up. <laughs> that yeah. was Ron, okay. Ron Moore. Yeah. Ron Moore picked up on it because Ron Moore is awesome. <laughs> because he, you know, he always was trying to find ways to connect stuff to the original. Well, let me ask you this, Mark. I mean, obviously, yes, you've, you've, you've covered Star Trek <laughs> so long and for so long, and you have such insight into it. A lot of people, what I find interesting about our culture today, everybody wants everything to be either a ten. Or it's a one. Yes, mm-hmm. there's, there's no, no middle ground. There's no middle ground, and 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 <laughs> as you pointed out, that there there's a lot to love in. I would say mid. They call them mid range episodes. Right. Maybe yes. you have another word. Um, something that it might not be a best of both worlds or or a city on edge of forever. It might be a six or a seven right. or an eight. Could you imagine on the original Star Trek when we were kids if we only watched the best and the worst? Oh, my God. I mean, it would be ten episodes. Yeah. You know, you'd have those five great episodes, right. and you'd have those five awful episodes. Because everything else was kind of mid-range. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, you know, there were, like, things that were really cool about them and things that were really screwed up. And, um, and yeah, it's like you got to take what you like about it and embrace it and then disregard what doesn't work. I, it, you're, it's absolutely you're, you're losing out on so much if you're you know your standards are at the point where it has to be everything has to be great next episode the most middling of the episodes well, well, and it's kind of <laughs> and it's kind of like you know it's the same thing with the production values on original Star Trek how many times did they repurpose the same sets did they repurpose things you know um with something, you know, just, you know, score. We talked about it. You know, imagine now, people like, oh, it's the same score. It's a doomsday machine. I can't watch that. That's terrible. <laughs> Cheap show. Awful. But this, you know? I mean, when we were growing up, like even when you and I first met, we would talk about what we loved. You know, there were things that, that you and I would both admit, well, it's not the greatest thing in the world. But like, cool. like Wise Guy. Yes. Wise Guy was a show we bonded over. But but as the seasons went on, it got that worse, first yes. season with with Ray Sharkey, we stuck and, with it. Yes. We stuck with it until the bitter end. Right. There there was still. I mean, the Dead Dog Records arc was maybe not the best. But you arc, kept watching it, but we loved it, yeah, and absolutely. it didn't have to be. Nowadays, I feel that there is had, this. You know why? Because it had. Captain Terrell in it. His Paul Winfield <laughs> was in it as uh, the head of Dead Dog Records. So of course, right. because you know Captain Terrell was in it, we yeah, even had a 
you, tertiary connection to Star Trek, we would stick to, with. But even uh, like, of course, you mean Darmok. Yes, Dar- Dar- Darmok. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> when the walls fell, even the but even Rackers. even middling episodes like the, the Rick Pinzolo, the, the garment uh, well, industry episodes. But but with Star Trek, you know. There was a lot to love about the concept, the characters, and even when something wasn't delivering, you know. How much would we have lost if we were not willing to watch mediocre sci-fi? We would have never watched an episode of Space 1999. Maybe that would have been a good thing. But we would have never watched Buck Rogers. No, right. And, you know, Battle, the original Star- Battlestar Galactica. Right. I mean, and... The Fantastic Journey. The fanta- I mean, oh, all, I mean mm. it's like, you know, and, and you could say even the best of the original Galactica, Hand of God, War of the Gods... They were very good at best. Yeah, you know, they right. were never masterpieces, you know. Right. And it's like I freaking love that show. Because and you know, and Buck Rogers too. Flight of the War, which is is on the scale of great sci-fi television, it's probably I I, I can't see the floor from here. Right. But, but still, I love yeah. that. <laughs> I did too. Well, I did too. The the middle I think gives us context for the things that we love. Right. I mean, yes. All the episodes that we can Leave it to barely to bring name. It home. <laughs> right. Like um, you know, there's there's something about. Man trap that makes City on the Edge of Forever feel better. You know mm, what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Very um, much so. There's something about um, you know Requiem for Methuselah, like that casts the Tholian web in a completely different light. You know, there's there's all of these things have an interplay, and like just because of the relationship between um, Spock and Kirk and the things and how they feel about each other. So we kind of we build that as fans, like we internalize that. We try to impose our own continuity mm. on these things, and because of that, when these Big things happen in these episodic shows. There is, I think, an emotional continuity that delivers, um, and that's what we're missing. I think mm-hmm. that's like that's the, I don't know. Maybe it's it's uh, something that we've kind of lost forever in the age of short orders and everything is one giant arc. Well, and everything we, costs ten million dollars. It's yeah. like you know, Discovery. Whether you love it or hate it, it couldn't get away with going to the back lot and shooting the yeah, 20th never. century set or having a salt shaker be a medical piece of equipment. You know, it's like the expectations. I mean, you, you look at that pilot, for, the pilot, that second season premiere where they're on the asteroid and they're, you know, it's like it has to have the production values of a feature film. And is that really necessary if you give us interesting characters no. and interesting no. stories? No. And yet this is a show that they're probably spending 10 to $12 million an episode on, which is absurd. Yeah. So, Well, like you pointed out, Ashley, I, I think that even episodes in Star Trek where you don't have the overt, you don't have a doomsday machine, but with with an episode like Requiem for Methuselah, which is basically a drawing room story, you're mm-hmm. in a, a couple of rooms talking about art, mm-hmm. you know, and watching somebody play a waltz, you know, and, and Kirk dances. There's enough in terms of character and story that keep them that make them all compelling, even in Star Trek episodes that aren't so good. Like I never liked Miri. Yeah, I no. never liked Miri. It was Me not neither. a great episode. Bonk, bonk As a kid, I didn't like Miri. Never, never liked Miri. But the premise was interesting. I'm like, what happened to this civilization? What was it like living through that disease outbreak? Even as a kid, I'm like, okay, we're seeing the aftermath where they're all they don't even have showers. You know, this sucks to live in this episode. I don't <laughs> right. want to be here. And There's not hot girls. It's a duplicate of the Earth. Right, right. It's yeah. <laughs> you're like, okay, Hodgkin's it's whatever. The Forty acres. Plant. Backlot yeah. in Culver City. Yeah, I mean there was there was nothing there was nothing great, but there was something about it. I mean the fact that Yeoman Rand might die of a disease that's crawling up her legs, and right. there was enough in there that it was compelling. Yeah. And even as a kid, I love these characters, but I would watch. Right. Nowadays, I feel like audiences, you know. The MCU, for instance, oh, Thor: The Dark Dark World. That movie sucked. Iron Man Two sucked. And I'm like, no, they're kind of like Star Trek. There's enough in those movies with our yeah. characters that we like and situations that they're enjoyable Such to watch. Such a great point. I, I like what he said about Man Trap, because that's not an episode I don't think any of us really like. Mm-hmm. And yet you look at it, and I could give you six scenes that I love in that. I sure. love when and what it says about our characters when they each see uh, uh, Nancy Crater at the beginning and mm-hmm. see her something. How much does that help us define who our characters? Right. Kirk sees her a certain way. You know, the the, the ensign sees her a certain security guard sees her a certain way. McCoy sees her a certain way. And then you know that scene where he escapes to the planet and they're trying she you know to track from orbit. Right. You know to find. And I mean, and then the whole phaser thing in the ruins. I mean, it's like there's. And then the, of course the creature at the end is is phenomenal. Yeah. You know now it'd have to be some gazillion dollar CGI thing you know as opposed to this really great monster in a suit right. which 
is iconic, which today, yeah. I mean, if there's anything about Man Trap we remember, it's, it's that, that. It's, it's that monster. Scary as hell. Well, you know, yeah. there's an epi- there's a moment in that episode when Uhura meets the creature right. disguised as that handsome black dude right. who knows she speaks Swahili. Which is creepy. Yeah. It's yeah. so scary. It's and, so scary. It's, but I love it. Yeah. It's I love great. that moment. Yeah. As I've gotten older, I'm like, wow, that's a because moment I really appreciate. Because you know there's something off and that she's in danger and you really feel yeah. that she could get killed and it's like, no, don't trust that guy right. you know, she's right. not above the law he's speaking Swahili yeah. no one else speaks Swahili on the, on the ship don't trust the Swahili guy who speaks Swahili why haven't you met him before yeah. you would know yeah, yeah. it's only 437 people yeah. <laughs> and you're the communications officer you should know everyone yeah. crewman do I know you don't you have the yearbook in a way uh, I am <laughs> oh, it's so good so good creepy so, and wonderful yeah yeah but it, no it's funny I mean you talk about you're right I mean this, this media thing and it's like people just do not tolerate media same reason now people don't go to the movies unless it's huge it's like the 200 million dollar movie you know they they don't go to see the 40 million dollar movie i'll wait for it to come to netflix right well you know you're not gonna have any of those movies anymore because you know who's paying for them because nobody's going to see them and it's that whole expectation that you know we should, you know, we should just serve to serve us. We've all become the Borg. You know, it's just like we just got to keep, you know, they're just acquiring all things, this. We only want things. This is our black mirror, and we only want things that that give us the ultimate in satisfaction. Mm-hmm. Whereas sometimes satisfaction can be found in smaller things, in yes. smaller increments. That's, That's what she said. anyway well listen this was uh, again a a far more fascinating conversation than I ever anticipated perhaps underrated you could say that (laughs) and uh, we might have to visit this place again because it's uh, I think there's a lot more to talk about but uh, um, Ashley has to go to the dentist so uh, I want to I want to thank everyone for joining us particularly uh, Robert Mark Burnett and Ashley Miller and I want to thank you the audience for coming back for the second season of Inglorious Trexperts and actually uh, staying with us and if you're a fan of this podcast you may want to check out Electric Surge's other podcasts like the 430 movie every Friday in which a group of writer and producers curate fantasy themes weeks of classic movies, as well as The Rebel and the Rogue, a Star Wars podcast, uh, which is uh, streams every Tuesday. And of course, um, The Best Movies Never Made, which is available every other Monday. And I highly recommend that podcast. It's really, really terrific. Uh, if you've enjoyed uh, this podcast, it is also very terrific. Uh, please rate <laughs> us five stars on Apple Podcasts, and you can follow us on Inglorious Trek on Twitter or Inglorious Trexperts on Instagram. We love your feedback, by the way. We actually do look at it, and uh, it's nice. I don't know if we would have rushed back into the studio if we weren't getting all that right. uh, all that crap about not wanting to miss an episode. Um, <laughs> also, a very special thanks uh, to Bill Ritter, uh, who makes it all possible. He's behind the board. He makes it sound good, and uh, he uh, cheers us on, keeps us going. And, uh, of course, Natalie Miscali, our producer, and, and, and Dean Devlin, without whom none of this would have been possible, keeps the lights on. And uh, we thank all of you for uh, making this possible and giving us a home for this show, which continues to uh, just grow in popularity. So thank you, everybody, for um, your support. It's really been very gratifying. So until next Saturday, keep on trekking. Ingloriously, of course, and now here comes the turbo lift sound. It's not the turbo lift sound. It's the turbo lift sound. It's the Enterprise speeding past us. Listen. Sounds like a turbo lift to me. I'm totally hearing turbo. I I know. Oh my goodness. Okay, engage. This show was produced by Dean Devlin and Mark A. Altman and is an Electric Surge Network production.